Hey everybody, it's episode 14 of the JV Club and joining me is my one of my co-stars on the very awesome Burning Love web series, um, which you can watch at burninglove.com. Her name is Deanna Russo. She was also, she's she's done tons of stuff on TV and film. Um, you might even remember her from Knight Rider. Guys, Knight Rider. Not a lot of people get to make that claim to fame and I'm a little envious, frankly. Um... I wanted to, uh, of course, encourage you guys to watch Burning Love. I'm so proud of it. I, I think Erica Oyama and Ken Marino have created such a gem. And uh, you've heard me say it a million times, but it was just a complete and total pleasure to work on. And I don't usually promote a lot of stuff. You guys know that. So if I'm promoting it, I must mean it. Um, and I wanted to give some shout outs on Facebook to some lovely, lovely, lovely posts from Sam, Brittany, Caitlin, Leah, Omni, Suzanne, Deepayan, I hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, and Brendan. And then Dan's Acoustic uh, Garage posted a really funny, great, um, song on there you guys should check out. And I got a couple of beautiful emails, um, most notably from Randy and Kyle. Even some treats were sent to me by Gabe and Heather. Yeah, yeah, guys, you're spoiling me rotten. I sounded like maybe I was a member of either the Three Stooges or the Little Rascals just then. And then iTunes feedback wise, just continuing to go down the list of people who've taken the time to to plug in that iTunes feedback. It's so important. Um, As important to me is also that you guys just give me feedback in general. Let me know what you'd like from the podcast. Let me know what you think. Um, Tweet me. I'm at Janet Varney at on Twitter. Uh, for those of you who engage with me, you know that I'm, I'm super serious and I get back to everybody and I love you guys. So, um, more, 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 please. I'm, I'm living off of it. It's my life. It's my emotional life support. Please don't do this to me, guys. Please get in touch. Um, so back to iTunes after that horrible bit and voice. Edgar Allan Poser and Tiffany and Victoria, Brojo's, Furman 12, Cyclops Rock, Game Face, K Mary HH, Lacuna, Matt Mocha, Thank you guys so much. Um, if somebody can explain to me what iTunes feedback does for a podcast on iTunes, feel free to let me know because I really have no idea, but I do know it's important. <laughs> I just summed up the history of me and technology. I don't know why this is important, but apparently it is. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you enjoy this podcast episode with Deanna Russo, and I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, thanks, guys. Now entering Nerdist.com. set the mood a little bit today on this uh, sunny Sunday morning because there is a blustery wind blowing outside that is almost frightening. I don't know if it's just my house, but it, there's there's a there's a frightening element to the wind today. So I'm very glad that my guest has made it all the way over in one piece and was not blown to pieces. I did take an umbrella. I mean, that's how I traveled here via Mary Poppins. Oh, you Mary Poppins did. I did. Oh, I'm delighted. And you probably made really good time because it's incredibly windy unless you had a headwind. I have to say, record time. Fantastic news. Well, the Mary Poppins in question, everyone, is the marvelous and wonderful Deanna Russo. I welcome you. Thank you. I welcome you. Do you also have a carpet bag full of things where you reach in and there's a 
you know, all the necessities of today's life, like a coat rack. Yes, a coat rack. What and, else did um, she have in there? Medicine that tasted different flavors. Yeah. And um, I want to say some kind of cleaning product. She, <laughs> she was endorsing a cleaning product. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If memory serves, her delicious medicine tasted good anyway, but then they sing the song about a spoonful of sugar, but there is no spoonful right. of sugar anywhere in sight. Right. No. I think every time you taste it, it's what you wanted it to taste like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what does that song have to do what with is, anything? It's, it's a metaphor for for just, you know, sugarcoating life, because isn't it that much sweeter when you need things that are good for you that are... <laughs> oh my gosh we are clearly writing some sort of a dissertation <laughs> you know um mary poppins is like i think one of the first plays i did as a kid oh you got to do mary poppins i was mary poppins when i was nine years old uh, in in my middle school and what's so funny about holding this microphone right now is the first time i ever held a microphone was when i was on stage at um bragg elementary school b-r-a-g-g this That's in, terrible. This is in Chester, New Jersey. That's a it's terrible horrible. name for an um, school. And, um, <laughs> Did you go to Boast Junior High? <laughs> yeah. I went to Bragger. Wait, uh-huh. no. I, never mind. I'm totally fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna... Let's get back to the first time you ever held a microphone. So the first time I ever held a microphone was... Um, uh, we were. It was during rehearsal for Mary Poppins. And um, like I... I was told I wasn't loud enough. Like the back of the back of the auditorium or the cafetorium couldn't hear me. <laughs> the cafetorium. And, and so uh, the, my third grade teacher slash director, Mr. Masaro, he uh, he gave me a microphone, and I remember it just like made like I could hear myself on the monitors, and it like made me like giggle, laugh. So it was like it was just like this this weird toy to hold, and it totally took me out of character, and it made me incredibly self conscious. So I learned, to, so I promised, I promised the director that i would belt out my mary poppins songs if i could just not hold the microphone because it clearly wasn't working that is adorable on multiple levels not the least of which is that i must tease you about the idea that you went quote out of character as a nine-year-old <laughs> listen i was method and uh i was really in character as mary poppins and then that microphone just totally pulled it me totally pulled it out because i was talking with a british accent for a good three months like at wonderful home, i said things like advertisement oh we were just talking before the podcast started about friends of ours who date um british people and the fact that we would absolutely unequivocally both do this also but it doesn't stop us from getting frustrated when they start sounding british but we know we would both do it i have i'm such um a parrot yeah you know when it comes to vote like i'm so much so that when i'm hanging out with a bunch of dudes i sound like a dude and when i and then if i like go to a different circle and i start hanging out with a bunch of chicks i suddenly like (laughs) i couldn't agree more and hissing my essence and doing this with my hand (laughs) i mean i feel like our essences stay the same throughout you know no matter who we're with our essences stay the same but i do feel like especially when i was younger but still even today there is that chameleon kind of thing which i think the risk of that because it's not on purpose and i don't mean to speak for you as well but i feel like the risk of that is that sometimes people doubt your sincerity or they doubt your authenticity because because you're reflecting back different other social groups you're reflecting back the person that you're talking to right yeah but it's not meant to be that does that make sense yeah exactly 
but then you know it's what we pick up accents so so easily we're so like such great instruments of ourselves listen <laughs> our our bodies are our instruments <laughs> my face is my calling card That's right. terrible terrible uh deanna janet deanna janet let's talk about where you're from let's talk about beautiful new jersey the garden state you're from Gar- you're from Garden State. Did you care for the film? Is that is, you I know did what? Enjoy the film. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I don't know why. I might have been in just a snobby mood. Yeah. Um. And I didn't watch the whole thing. And and so, I'm sorry to have to ask this, and I'm sorry to embarrass and waste everyone's time and embarrass myself. But did it take place in New Jersey? I think yes, it did. It did take place in New Jersey. Is that why it was called and it Garden State? Like, yes, and it looked like like I think his dad dies or something, and he has to go back for the funeral. And that um, sounds right. All of that sounds right. Yeah, and so he's like coming from like this like failed wannabe actor life in L.A. and goes back to New Jersey to deal with all of that, and happens to meet this wonderful um, spirit fairy of a girl who has a head injury or something. Do like, they use that term, spirit fairy? Spirit fairy. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to badly. Qu- I'm trying to correctly quote, but I'm doing it badly um mindy kaling's uh you know she broke down all the all the characters in in a romantic comedy all the female characters in a romantic comedy oh that's what that's in reference to because i was the reason that i asked is because a few other people have referred to that type of character that way and i oh really so somehow I think I it was in the New Yorker. Somehow really I don't good. know. And, and I and Mindy Kaling's awesome and I would love to have her on the podcast. So I can't believe that I <laughs> didn't make the connection that that was her piece and contribution and that people have been there's time referring for you to, to it. it. Don't worry. Like you can. That's true. <laughs> there's yeah, still time. I can cut all of this out and pretend like I'm an expert. <laughs> Man, you're so right. So, you know, spirit fairies. This is I'm yeah. Just, this is after we cut back, and you're an expert. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're probably referencing Mindy Kaling's. Uh, I am. Yes, extremely exactly. accurate. <laughs> yes. Um, do you feel like you were a spirit fairy? I was in many ways. I was once called a free spirit Ooh. by some like older dude when I was like a camp counselor one summer, <laughs> and and I was like really touched by it. But by, by it, and I think looking back, he, was it a come on? It might have been a girl. <laughs> Listen, you're just such a free spirit. You're the kind of girl who probably want to go skinny dipping in the lake with me. And what's so weird is like our uniforms were these, you know, canary yellow polo shirts and khaki pants. And here we are like, you know, like holding activities for the children of, of the town. And I'm like, what about me stands out as a, as a free spirit yeah. in this like yellow polo shirt? And oh, it's a very like, affluent area of New Jersey. He weird. I, I'm going to say he absolutely wanted to sleep he with totally you. wanted to bang me. Um, I'm interested in this being a camp counselor thing because I don't know if I've talked to anyone who was a camp counselor. And this is oh, when you yeah. were a teenager? I was a total fraud. Like, I had no business. I was not qualified to being this camp counselor. It was basically like I... Um, I was a drama music teacher when I was 17 years old and I cannot stress enough. I was not qualified for this job, but my sweet father pulled some strings because my brother had done it like a year or two before. And my brother's four years older than me. So he had much more life experience and he's my, my brother is a, a natural born teacher figure. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he would be a, a great educator. Uh, and so he, he fit in very naturally. So I think they just thought like, oh, I was the next best thing. And what was even weirder about this, and I have to tell you this detail, is that I'd already committed to a family vacation with my boyfriend and like to go camping in Montauk, Long Island. The, the end. It's, 
<laughs> East Coasters will really appreciate that bumper sticker reference. Nice. Uh, but, um, but, uh, and like, and it, because of the way that the dates fell, I was going to miss the first week of camp. But they still gave me the job. Oh, wow. So I came yeah. in a week later. And so, like, they had already, like, had a You just rolled, just in. rolled in. With my tan, my Long Island tan. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I had, no, like, I had no curriculum. I had no, like, like, I'd, I didn't know how to treat kindergartners different than eighth graders. And I basically had, like, every year from kindergarten to eighth grade for about 30 minutes throughout the day or something. And then, I, and, like, the biggest responsibility was I was in charge of. And it was theater kind of music, you said. Theater music. And okay. we were in the music room of the local like middle school or elementary school and um the parents would come on the last day and we would perform a show for them from all the all the grades and it was so scattered and it was so obvious to everyone that like i did not know what i was doing. well you're a free spirit i was a free spirit you can't be hemmed in by the conventions of curriculum <laughs> Did oh so it was like a day camp it wasn't it was I was camp. imagined oh, no, no, I was no. certainly and I I I was I guess I was fantasizing and hence the lake oh, I don't want to take that away from yeah, you yeah hence the lake reference that that the guy when he called you a free spirit I was imagining uh, like yes. a full on summer camp no I but went home at night to my <laughs> you still just went back home at night <laughs> you hung up your yellow polo shirt I and did went khaki pants did you ever work a place this is a total non sequitur but um. Did you ever work someplace where your uniform smelled? And oh, I say God. that because I worked at a subway for a oh, couple God. of months when I was in college before I quit. And um, nothing has ever lingered like the smell of a subway sandwichery. What, what is it? Is it like Is it like the smell of bologna and cheese? Uh, yeah. Like, you know what? That's what a great question. And I'm not even sure I can answer it's just its own that. Aroma. I feel like, yeah, because frankly... The smell of the bread baking is quite nice. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, you know, so I it couldn't have been that. It, you know what? I think it was like onions and mustard. Ew, ew, ew. Do you can, can you walk into subways today, or is it too painful? The smell. Well, memory? I worked there for such a brief period of time that um, it didn't really taint my experience. Having said that, <laughs> I and I am sincerely and truly allergic to gluten, uh, and I say that because oh. I know that a lot of people do that as a lifestyle choice, which I completely support. But I also completely support people enjoying wheat because there's nothing wrong with it um, if your if your body can can process it. But um, I cannot, and I get violently ill. So I. Uh, it's been a long, long time since I have had a okay. Subway sandwich, it's and there isn't much that you can eat there no, that doesn't yeah. involve the the bread. One of my first jobs was um, at a the local movie theater. Ah, me too. Oh, cool. And so I don't know about yours, but was there like a hierarchy? Like when you first get hired, we so we were so gross that you would po- there was like this little kind of Anne Frank area where you were <laughs> like you would pop the popcorn. It was it was like the size of where like a Jewish family would hide during the Nazi regime. And I would and I would. There's gr- so many things wrong with what you just said. I, I'm so amazed and impressed. <laughs> Oh We're wow, like, guys! Please, this is this falls into the con- uh, category of, of comedy. So please don't write in and say that Deanna <laughs> is uh, doesn't love Anne Frank because she does. Oh, I do. I'm just I'm just commiserating with, yeah. with what that must. have I'm been I'm sure like. that's what it was like <laughs> popping popcorn. Popping popcorn. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. So you had so you had you so, were concessionaire, and that's hot and sweaty and oily work. Well, they would they would they would they would trap you up there, and you would pop popcorn like 
for your entire shift for like Oof. between four and six hours and you would take the popcorn and, and your clothes would reek of fake butter when you got home hence the smell reference but you would take the popcorn and put it into a clean garbage bag in a clean um garbage um what do you call it? bin or whatever mm-hmm. and a can but it was plastic it was these huge rubber made things and you'd seal it up and they would just like sit along the the walls like 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 killer clowns from outer space like these victims that are like ready to be devoured and so by the time like the popcorn uh garbage bin that you had popped got to the front of the line it was so stale because by the time they like needed it downstairs it was you know 10 days later so there's lots of stale popcorn anyway eventually i I worked my way up fresh popcorn oh God bless you guys. Now, did you even, you sounds like you barely had time to write in your diary up there when you were I popping the popcorn. <laughs> I, I listened to a lot of Frank Zappa, um, a mixtape that another coworker had given me because uh, that's what you did up there. And then you, what you do is you like write quotes on the wall. So there's a lot of like graffiti and silly, oh. silly things on the walls for each other. Um, what you just described almost makes it sound like you were a teenager in the early 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Frank Zappa, huh? Yeah. You're also the first guest I've had who's listed Zappa among their um, high school influences. This is when you were in high school or when you are in college? High school. So you had a job at the movie theater when you were in high school. Um, did we already establish where in New Jersey? Because oh, okay. I knew this would happen with you because yeah. we like to talk to each other. So we do. We're, we have like eight different conversations already going at once. Um, yeah. I want to see like... I know you went to Bragg those. Elementary. Yes, Memory you did. serves, you went to Boast Junior High. I did. I did go to um, Black River, in fact. Black River uh, Middle School. Okay. So here's the thing. I uh, my, my parents lived uh, within 30 minutes of each other between like a couple different towns of New Jersey. So I actually lived in chester bedminster and bernardsville with like all through growing up so when people ask me where i'm from in new jersey it's this very specific area but those all sound like places in rural england yes they do they very much do and it's a very old settlement like it's a a lot of american colonial architecture george washington had his um one of his headquarters there it was um or his or the headquarters there i guess you only really have one but um but it's a very historical area of new jersey and I didn't realize that the rest of the country didn't have such beautiful architecture. I bet, yeah. <laughs> yeah and they don't. They don't. But like the ho- one of the, one, so I lived in many houses in this area because one or the other parent was always moving every other year or every three years. So between the two of them, I was always up and relocating every year and a half. But you were of. still staying in an area close enough to that you would to, stay yeah. at the same school. Yeah, I did transfer school what a pain. systems. Uh, my seventh grade year just because I had a really bad sixth grade and I needed to get like out of that school system. <gasps> you want to hear about it? You it was just, it was, it, it was just a really rough puberty and it was nothing traumatic or like I wasn't bullied or anything. I'm very lucky, but um, it was a combination of having uh, clear braces, which clear braces means yellow teeth. Oh, and, clear braces. <laughs> and I contract, I contracted Lyme disease the summer before, and the medication was so powerful that you can't be out in the sun, um, or else it'll like really damage your skin. So I went one whole summer without any um, sun intake. So by the time that winter had rolled around, I was that much paler than everyone else that had been without sun. Mm. So, and everything was like stretched and long on my face. I had like size eight feet, but I was only like four foot, like 10. <laughs> Do you know what oh, I mean? No. I was like, so, so awkward. Um, and I just, uh, 
there and I yeah there was like lots of family stuff going on that was making me act like a jerk at school and so I just needed a fresh start and it was it was very healing because by the time I got to this other school system in the seventh grade I kind of started to look cute again so they had no idea (laughs) there was no Facebook back then I get yeah no kidding uh history gets to remain history I guess some sometimes sometimes I guess I just have to ask you about Lyme disease (laughs) yeah let's talk about ticks in new jersey let's do that i mean that's a thing uh it is a thing um so one of the houses that i grew up in was um this 200 plus year old farmhouse um gorgeous nooks and crannies everywhere but we were on this farm many many acres and uh my my stepsister and i would just roam the lands like we would just leave we were such outdoor kids and uh would come home either covered in poison ivy or ticks like we were worse than our dogs (gasps) many dogs we had many dogs and cats many horses we were that's how we were a working farm we basically boarded horses for and this is your mom or your dad my dad's side my dad remarried um to a woman who we were all friends with. So I knew her kids. Uh, so, and how um, old was it? Were you in the seven? Uh, they remarried in 91 or they, my dad remarried in 91. Okay. Um, and, uh, so this is around the, the same time as the whole Lyme disease summer, actually. Yeah. They, uh, but oh, what was interesting is, so I have an older brother and, um, my step brother is my brother's age and my stepsister is my age so we were two-thirds of the brady bunch when we finally you sure were we sure were. <laughs> um so we were very close but her and i would um run out to the woods come back covered covered in these things and um i just remember towards the end of my fifth grade year i was uh i was really tired all the time and my right shoulder was like always hurting and i thought it was because my book bag was so heavy and that was the year that you stopped wearing double shoulders that was the year right that you have to be cool and wear it on one shoulder and i always favored my right shoulder so i remember going up to my teacher and showing him look how much homework you're giving me like look how bad my shoulder is and i had like a lyme disease bullseye on my shoulder and his response was to take this like ornamental beaker on his desk and pull it up to his cheek and say nope no tears for the tear cup and uh <laughs> what a jackass such a dick uh rest his soul i'm sure he's not alive anymore but he uh so anyway so so my parents finally took me to see a doctor and they were like oh this is very clearly um this disease and it stays with you it does yeah like the i want to I mean these- that's why it's called a disease janet wow i'm really not <laughs> i'm not illustrating any of my medical acumen i know very podcast. little about it actually um because i was 11 years old when it all went down and um and since i've been an adult i've lived away from that area mm-hmm. and if you mention lyme disease in a doctor's office in california they associate that with hypochondria because nobody has lyme disease out here interesting so it's so it's hard for me so i still have um issues with my right shoulder today i'm actually going in for an mri soon because i can't like use it for anything anymore i can't carry my purse on it hmm. this is very such a bummer no no like, no but it does it listen is there may that... be somebody out there who's listening who's like oh it's so good to know that someone else is having to deal with this <laughs> headache also yeah and well i mean hopefully i was lucky that i caught it early because if you don't it leads to serious arthritis sometimes dementia if if uh not if overlooked so yeah. guys get get checked for lyme disease <laughs> I wonder if I'm the only person who's thinking I must have Lyme disease right now because, because I do. Yeah, because I am a doctor's nightmare. Evidently, I'm discovering right now in this moment that it doesn't take much. I could hear one of 20 symptoms that someone has. I'm sure many of us are like this. Have you ever looked up and AIDS on WebMD? You're like, oh, fuck, I have AIDS. I've got it all. Yeah, I mean, there is. There really is that. There is that immediate 
I guess it's the immediate mortality little voice in your head that goes, you probably have that <laughs> to everything. <laughs> I do feel tired sometimes. Yeah. I definitely have Lyme disease. Uh, and not, and tr- and tr- not just that I should go to sleep. Um, so, okay. So I've got your, I've got, we've gotten into your high school years. I know you worked at a movie theater. I'm delighted to hear that. Do you remember, I think I said this on another podcast, but do you remember the movies that I only worked at a movie theater for one summer and I just remember so yeah. well what movies were playing because you kept seeing the same ending, oh, the yeah. same pieces over and over. What were your movies? Um, Hercules, that, that it was like a Disney cartoon. I remember they had a really funny tag at the end of the credits and like Hercules is such a forgotten about Disney film, but it was yeah. really funny. Um, I never saw it. Yeah, see, see, <laughs> uh, my best friend's wedding was definitely there. So I know that soundtrack well. Um, I, I think that was the same year as Titanic. And um, uh, what was what was not Band of Brothers? But what was that? Mo- Obviously, that was an HBO Oh, like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, Saving Private yeah. Ryan. We had a special screening. So so uh, every once in a while when a big movie would come out, the the owner of the movie theater would like shut it down and all the employees could come in with your date. And like we would just have our Cute. own like sneak peek of the film and i remember that's how i saw saving private ryan i you know what i'm gonna say i i guess i have seen saving private ryan i uh, saving private ryan (laughs) i think i've seen saving private ryan i have a really hard time watching war movies so i if i've seen it i probably saw it once bawled my eyes out and swore to never see it again which is pretty true for almost every war movie i can think of Yeah. yeah if i even saw it there are certain ones that i haven't i don't think i've even scene because i just thought black hawk down i I never saw black hawk down i finally saw that i don't know why i saw that i was just in a mood i think i was in a mood to torture myself uh emotionally and i think and i knew that it was a great i mean i you know i'd heard that it was a really great movie and it is um i think (laughs) i've already forgotten it because (laughs) i wiped them all from my mind all the war movies i watched them and and i think uh, this is uh, a sobering reminder of dot 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 and i'm sort of you know trying to put them into historic historical context and and be present to the politics associated with them and and i immediately erase the entire movie's plot from my mind <laughs> something in me is just too emotional and can't take it so and frank man yeah uh you graduated from uh, your high school it was not Black River High School. I'm sorry, what Black River? No, that was your yeah. middle school. My, yeah, I, I did. I did one year at Black River Middle School, and then I transferred to Bedminster Elementary. Why were? That's what I wanted to ask. Why? Why was everybody moving around so much? Um, I don't know. Like, one, well, because like my my dad when he you know remarried, we moved into that that big old farmhouse together. My mom floated around. I don't know why. It just seemed like maybe this kind of has stuck with me because I tend to move every three ish years, but, um, but people, there was just always a, there was never a good reason, but we were just, I just, a reality that I accepted, hmm. um, until eventually my mom, uh, was great and got this townhouse near my high school, um, by my sophomore year. And that changed my life because, um, Everywhere else my parents lived was a 30-minute drive. So if I were to take the bus, I was the first one picked up and the last one dropped off. So that was not a 30-minute drive. That was an hour-and-a-half drive. Um, and when I you're in every activity, at, you know, when you're in every extracurricular activity like I was, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're at the school all the time. So it was great to be walking distance, not only from my high school, but I was also walking distance from the train station that took me to New York. So my, so I was that weirdo girl that was like hopping the train into Manhattan on a weekday night to catch a jazz show. 
That's very cool. I guess. It wasn't at the time. I was like such a weirdo then, but. Let's talk a little bit more about you being a weirdo. Yes. In what other ways were you a weirdo other than that you would go to New York to see a jazz show, which I still maintain. Sounds fantastic. (laughs) Um, I. I know you were outdoorsy. I was very outdoorsy. Um, I was very extreme. I was very reactive. I was a very volatile teenager. I don't know. I feel like every year of my high school, I was a, I had a different identity. Hmm. And so that was like, and like my family, they tried their best to kind of keep a solid footing, but they, they, they were a mess. And so like, I would go to school with all these kind of like problems and none of my friends were going through what I was going through. So it was very hard for me to like relate. And then I would like punish them because they had normal families. Do you know what I mean? By like being like, you don't understand me kind of like attitude. Do you know what I mean? Can you get, would, are you comfortable getting more specific about what was going on at home? Sure. Like, um, um, well, my parents' divorce was just brutal. I mean, um, like one private investigators, uh, Mm. it was just long and drawn out. It was, it was the, it was that thing. And, and I, my, my mom is probably listening to this and she knows I love her and we've made amends about all of this, but, um, but they were very injured at the time. And for years they were, they would, um, I don't know if it was consciously or what, but they would say things to my brother and I knowing that we would go back to the other parent mm. and repeat, repeat what we had heard. And so we were kind of like tools in this game of like who can hurt the other person more, which now that I'm older and I realize that's how much they loved each other, that like that's how much it hurt to not be together, I'm guessing, but mm. they'll never admit that. They right. will never admit that they will always love each other. Um, so... Uh, so when I moved into this townhouse, um, then I stopped living at my father's uh, farmhouse, my father and stepmother's farmhouse, because it was just so inconvenient when I needed to be at the high school from 730 in the morning until like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And um, before that, they had share- more shared custody. Yeah. Okay. So this is crazy. My mom uh, was a flight attendant. And if you know anything about a flight attendant's schedule, it's very erratic. Yeah. And so whenever my mom was home from a trip, I would stay with her. And whenever she was working, I would go to my dad's. So it was never a set like every other weekend thing. It was not that. It was three days on, two days on, four days on. It was, and it was always different. So I never knew where I was. I had to, I had to have two of everything because I couldn't pack a bag because yeah. I could never... Be, because I was literally a gypsy, like I didn't know like whose house I was. Gonna and when be you're at. a teenager, I think consistency is pretty important, and it's hard because you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, not to say that you know, but it feels like so many things are so important. Then, even to the degree of like my jeans, my favorite yeah. jeans are at my mom's. I mean, it or sounds your silly, but the, it's so true. A permission slip or my my retainer. Yeah. I mean, I had yeah. It was it was it was, it was a little, it was a little extra complicated. I mean, look, I, I had, there was no, there was no physical abuse. There was no like, like, um, substance abuse in my family. So the fact that like, they had had relationship issues, whatever, and it trickled down. So by the time my mom got this townhouse, it changed my life because I could be more independent. And from the age of 16, even though she would come in and out from her trips, I essentially lived on my own because when she wasn't there, I would stay at this house. And, um, that really hurt my dad's feelings. And I didn't know that at the time he just all of a sudden started to be really mean to me. And, uh, and I never properly moved out of that farmhouse. I just like came back for Christmas and I didn't have a room anymore kind of thing. Like, mm. like, cause, cause he was just so hurt that I would pick mom over him. I think, um, we, you know, we, we soon resolved it after that, but there was definitely a time where we weren't on speaking terms. And I remember I was in French class and we had to go around the room and say in French, like what our fathers did for a living. And I was like, so like 
because you know out of sight out of mind but then when you have to like talk about your dad in French suddenly I like I wanted to cry in class so that was me like I was the weirdo that like had all these things which you know when you're an adult you can look back and be like oh yeah well of course you felt that way no when you're a teenager like you're the fucking pariah because like you, you're you're not skilled enough to communicate with people like like why you're reactive and and yeah. super weird um, well, what were your relationships with with boys like if you kind of had this weird example going on at home where you know i was thinking when you were saying that it feels like to be a teenager in a in a in a situation where there's sort of a volatile and emotional divorce happening emotion you know i mean emotionally volatile it's almost like even if your parents are great parents to you they're still acting out in almost a teenager sort of way that's what it was like yeah definitely They, they i kind of felt like they they were more children about it than than i think they really wanted to be if they were able to like take a step back and see what they were doing but i just yeah i just attributed the fact like that's how injured they were that this was the best that they could do um so so oh so so i I was really like i had a tight-knit group of girlfriends Mm -hmm. um like entering high school but then like my circles would change like every year yeah i wanted to ask you about that i wanted to see if i could get a breakdown like okay let's start with okay uh, so let's start with year. freshman year what's your freshman identity freshman identity i feel like i was very like hypersexual like mm. n- i mean i was a prude and very um like never did anything but my friends and i just thought like jokes about like penises and vaginas and <laughs> periods and like whatever because we were so ignorant about it we just thought it was the funniest thing so in order to talk about it in front of grown-ups we would we had this whole secret vocabulary about like gross pervy words. <laughs> oh no and like and like and we were just it was it's just it was really coming from a place of innocence and hilarity um but if you were to like see us like if you were to, like but we were just perverts we were just perverts <laughs> that thought that like these innocent perverts that thought like you know tampons were funny because like we never wore them do you know what yeah. i mean like we were so we, we were still in the pad phase like <laughs> like too afraid to put like to, whatever because oh, no. we were afraid being like, proud you... and sarcastic about tampons yeah you were still but we couldn't amazing. call them tampons because people would know what that word meant can we you call them wampons because <laughs> that's super secret <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say right now. Okay. So to recap, you called tampons, wampons. Yes. I am certainly going to need to ask what you called other things. Uh, well, like, I Please remember. Please tell me that you called penises, weenuses. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Everything just had a double U oh, in shit. front of it. You've cracked the code. <laughs> um, but then there were like dumb inside jokes that would, that somehow stuck like, um, no bucket the the term no bucket meant like a hot dude like that guy's no bucket but if he was bucket that mean he that meant that he was and where not did that good. come like, from i think because we read oh my god me and my like it was four of us and we were we would switch off nights we would sleep over at somebody's house every night of the week i mean we were just obsessed with each other and um and one it's of those good that you had that with everything it, that was going on with yeah well this was the this was the first year. This was freshman okay, year. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Year went out. So like uh so we would have these sleepovers and I think whatever, somebody in their like their half awake sleep. This one girl would sleep with her eyes open. It was the creepiest thing. Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> but she she like woke up and said something like, What? No bucket. And she thought that like the way this shadow was cast in the room that it was like a like a hot guy just kind of like lounging across like something i don't know again it was like so random the fact that i'm explaining you guys it weren't now. smoking opium were you <laughs> 
totally sober. Like maybe we would sneak some Baileys. Yeah. But like that was the worst of it. We would definitely put water in like liquor bottles to like Same. cover how much I'm drinking. Guilty. But like it was so innocent. Yeah. Okay. So you're a pervert who has a horrible, <laughs> easily cracked code for all words. No bucket. I don't even, I, I can't touch that because it's just no, too weird. It's so it weird. It is. It's, it's one so of those weird. like, try to explain your inside joke from 15 years ago that no one's, I shouldn't force <laughs> you to do that. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's find out what sophomore year was like. Okay. So sophomore year. You're so kind. So sophomore year um, was a little volatile because I had that whole like moving situation with my family. And by that point, um, I was now a Bernardsville resident and I wasn't commuting from Bedminster and that's where all my girls were. Mm. And so since I wasn't in that town anymore, like we stopped hanging out and I started hanging out with like the local girls who like, um, because there are about four towns that went to this one high school and um, everybody that like lived in that one town growing up had like a very thick clique. So what are the local girls like? I know you said four different towns go to the same school. Oh, yeah. The local girls came from like um, a a higher socioeconomic kind of status. Uh, You know, they had cotillions and they they had very large houses and pools in their backyard. And they were all awesome. Like, I loved these girls. But their family life was like very different. Like, because the group of girls that I hung out with the year before, they all came from, you know, like single parent families or divorced families, remarried, whatever. So it's like, I think that's why we like got our own weird shit. Mm-hmm. But like, then I was hanging out with other circle of friends and they accepted me cause you know, they're cool and we lived near each other. But then like, I was obviously like super reactive and just like every year though, I ran cross country. <laughs> so I kind of like, like there were some things that were like a through line for it. Hence sure. My cross country shirt. I didn't oh, show you the, there you go. wait, here, hold this. Oh, Barnard's. I didn't show you uh, the best part. Running. This is what it says on the back. Running. <laughs> it's all mental. Fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't. I just found this. I was like, I need to wear something from it. my high school today. You did. Um, I love I that you did that. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so yeah, so they were really sweet girls, but I just kind of felt like, I just felt like the the damaged girl, like the Lydia of the group. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Sure. Um, and uh, and I was super into like like I said, going to the city and like seeing all these bands, and they were like, and I was obsessed with music to the point where like I would shove it down people's throats, and they were like, uh, like Ani DeFranco. I was like really into Ani DeFranco. I don't know how, but somehow you're the first person who's brought up Ani. Oh my We've god! Talked, I think Tori Amos has come up, and I think yeah, probably Indigo Girls. Probably. You know what? I was. I listen I I all right guys you've already heard so much about me but I was a goth for like the first two and a half three years of high school and then I just kind of morphed into I guess you'd say a free spirit yeah (laughs) Um, and I definitely held on to my Depeche Mode and my Cure and my Morrissey and all that but I also uh, made way more room for for the Indigo Girls. I just got. I worked those guys right in. I worked them into the rotation as well as Cat Stevens and Joni Mitchell. So nice. oh, there's yeah. a little bit of of, of uh, you know disparate. I was this and I was this and I was yeah. this, and that's what high school's for and college. Folk you know, you can man. changing your identity and figuring out what your voice is and yeah. keeping the things that make sense and abandoning the things that don't or or making mistakes. Making that's very huge political mistakes, of you but... though. But like I would like. I mean, I would like write a new Ani DeFranco quote on the chalkboard like. For the class to read like i was that girl you needed to get her message <laughs> out to the world people to know like i was like i just listened to her shit obsessively what did you dress like 
Um, that year, I I was very I was still very preppy. Junior year, I turned into a hippie, like a fake hippie, because okay. I was I, I would, was always listening to Fish, um, and uh, so I would go to like fish shows and shit like that. But uh, but no, I like you know those like weird butterfly shirts and like yes. like brightly colored corduroys. Yes. And, um, and it was like and and like. I was that girl. Like nobody else in the school dressed like that. Like, I, like I went to. I mean, my high school was tiny, five hundred students total. Wow. Um, so I definitely stuck out. And uh, oh, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I went to France. I went to Paris for like the whole summer and studied at this abroad program. It was so much fun and, and fantastic. And um, and I came back just like not giving a shit about like anyone. And I became really good friends with this girl a year younger than me who like was just so sweet and naive and just like like did everything like like said yes to everything. Like she was she was really fun. And we became like her and me against like the high school. And this um, is junior year. This is my junior year and she yeah. was a sophomore. The, the hippies against the high school. Oh, and then I had a boyfriend my junior year. Okay. My first boyfriend. Um, he was uh, one of my best guy friends. And and then by my senior year, my boyfriend had left for college and we broke up. And I was like devastated. And um, my mom was so sweet. And she took me to Express and got me a whole new like wardrobe where I was now like out of the hippie face and back into like sleek stylish like mm. I'm I'm an 18 year old and I'm applying for colleges kind of look yeah. and that like redefined it and all of a sudden like the popular girls were talking to me but yeah like like people think back wistfully about their high school days and for me I'm just like I'm so ha- like I don't go back to my reunions because like I I look back I'm like I hated how I acted like I would just get emotional and like tell people off like not even tell people off like like I would just um I was just very sensitive all the time like people would like make fun of me and I would like start crying and storm out of a room like I was that girl because I didn't know how to handle all this like fucked up shit sure and um and so anyway I did have there was an amazing let's talk about theater there was an amazing theater department in my in my high school that you had to audition to become a part of. Ooh. And uh, from I was I made it for my last two years, which was uh, really interesting because we did this experimental theater, like really weird avant-garde stuff under the tutelage of Dolores Delasanti, who we all called affectionately Del. Uh, this, she, sounds, this sounds good. Yeah, she uh, was... By the way, I maintain this still sounds like it could have been in the early 70s. <laughs> Seriously. Pretty much everything. I'm loving it. There was something very like... Uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings esque about her. Do you know what I mean? But like the way she would stand, it was very androgynous, and she always had like Peter Pan pants on. Um, and uh, and we were in the acting troupe, spelled T R O U P E. Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> and and like um, that meant that we got a whole class period designated to this this group and we would um is she the kind of woman who would go to a renaissance fair i'm just trying to oh, put, wrap my head around back in it the day like okay. she was a little bit too old to probably like but yeah like definitely a ren fair uh chica like maybe she p- played the pan flute yes yes oh my god or yeah. hit a hit symbol like a hit a little tambourine oh 100 percent. she no she really did would hit a tambourine and we would like we do like we would do like movement work in class and she'd hit the tambourine and we would freeze what? and then we'd have to like create a character she once gave us we did oh what was that canterbury tales we did this one project where we would each get a ca- character from canterbury tales and we would like create a character in a monologue like like just kind of tweak it and like that was one of our pieces we did this like 
avant-garde piece of like the Kennedy assassination where it's oh, like, have you heard of this? It's like, it's no. like 10 sentences where it's like, um, I blame, I blame myself. I stay alive. Like it's all these like weird statements of like people's reaction to the Kennedy assassination. But then you take it and then like, like, like it's just like this four person ensemble piece where like you kind of act out. I don't know. It was, I'm not explaining it right because it was, it's, it's so bizarre that I did this when I was like 16, 17 years old. Um, when I people were doing this. like, you know, grease in their high school. I love that she was like, we're going to do some important Weird pieces <laughs> and we're going to do happenings. She sounds, I've got a whole picture of her in my mind. I imagine her saying, guys, we're going to have class outside today. I just would. I she was want- a little bit more of a hard ass than that. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was very articulate. She she did come from that vein, but then she like she she ran a tight ship, and like to the point where I mean, you were terrified of her as much as you loved her, and if you were on her bad side, like you were fucked because it didn't matter what you did, you could have sneezed and she would have thrown you out of the room. But if she loved you, you could have been like, if we had cell phones back then, texting class, and she wouldn't have cared. See, this is not. I feel like. <sighs> I don't think this is interesting to like anyone, but for me, like this is such a fun journey down memory lane. Oh my gosh. (laughs) First of all, there's no, I think that's what's been so delightful about this is I think, I think it turns out that we all, I mean, listen, by the way, as somebody who's not into this particular kind of uh, reminiscing, hates my podcast already. So they're already (laughs) not listening. They're already not listening to your episode. Uh, I did want to ask you, um, I don't know that I've asked this before on the podcast, but did you have a picture of what your adult life would look like when you were in co- when you were in high school? I mean, with all this kind of identity stuff that was going on for you, and you knew that you liked theater, but I know that you went to school in Florida and you got a degree in psychology. Yes. So I'm just wondering how you, if you, and by the way, I had really no image in my head at all of what really? I thought I was going to turn into. I kind of never had a sense of planning or expectations. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, but some people do. You know, some people are like, I no. saw myself as being married with two children. Oh, or I no. saw myself as being a rock star. Or I saw myself as... I definitely saw myself in like a position of power. Like, mm. I definitely... Because I was also like student council nerd and like part of literally like pretty much every organization in in high school like so i so and you didn't do that because you felt pressured to do it you just did it because you really liked being involved i loved being involved and i think i knew from my brother who was four years older than me that i needed to have like a good rock like a good um list of extracurricular activities on my college application to like get into a good college so there was like this sense of competition with me but also i just really liked doing all these random things like chemistry league competitions where you travel to schools and take tests in chemistry and whoever gets the highest score wins <laughs> like that's a real thing you that i did kid <laughs> no i wasn't i wasn't even a good chem student it was just they needed a slot and they had a slot <laughs> open and they needed a student i was like oh I'll, i'm i'm free on tuesdays so i guess i'll do <laughs> wow. that I just wasn't that motivated when I was in high school. No. I just wasn't that motivated. Most, yeah, that, that's normal, I think, for a teenager. I just, yeah. And that has not changed. I'm still that busy body person that's like, do, like doing a bunch of random things all the time. So when people ask me what I'm doing, I'm just like, I could tell you, but it's all very made up for myself to keep me busy. So, uh, Well, you knew that you wanted, so, but in terms of having a picture of yourself as an adult, you knew that you wanted to... Um, go to a good college. It sounds like yeah. because of some of the extracurricular activities you chose. So what? How was what was psychology interesting 
How was that interesting for you? Um, I guess because, uh, you know, we did have an uh, advanced placement psychology class available in high school, and I really loved learning about that. And so that inspired me to be a psych major. I knew that I was going to do either theater or psychology when I went to college. Um, and so I happened to go to a school that has a strong program in both of them. And I, you know, teetered between both of them until eventually, like, I finished my psych degree in the first two years and then did theater the last two years because was, I was a scholarship kid. So I was like, just took advantage of the free schooling. And oh my God, I love that you're pretending like you weren't smart when you've just told me some things that make it very clear just how smart you were. <gasps> I, yeah, I don't know. Because I look back and I'm like, why did I go to school in Florida? I'm so lucky for the people that I met there and the experiences I had, but. Florida sucks. Like, it just sucks. Like, yeah, a lot of people aren't fans of Florida. No, it's so awful. And, like, what's so embarrassing about that state is that I feel like the biggest, like, like news controversies and, like, battles about, you know, morality all come from Florida. Whether it be something like Terry Schiavo or, like, what's recently, oh, the whole Trevin. Yeah, Trevin Martin. Yeah, yeah. and, and like, the, the, the whole hanging chads. The whole, like, like, that was my first election that I ever voted in was that, and, like, that came down to Florida. You know what I mean? It's like Florida just keeps messing things up for us. I wish they would uh, just unify better. To be fair, and I'm very proud of my state for other reasons, Arizona is also yeah. often uh, oh, yeah. a hot button in politics and sort of an embarrassment. Oh, like we, have that we, in common. we were so famous for, <laughs> yeah, we were for so famous for voting down the Martin Luther King federal holiday and Ugh. stuff. It's just like sh- absolutely shameful. Um, what was your, so what was your relationship like with your body? And I say that when you were Ooh. in high school, because I say that as someone who I personally was very uncomfortable, uh, and I wore really baggy clothes and I just <laughs> didn't like wearing anything. I that think would it was the style anything. back, back then though. That's certainly true, but I just didn't ever, you know, I just didn't me neither. like to people looking at me that way, I guess. But. No, no, I didn't like every, like the most revealing clothes I ever would wear would be that junior year when I was like, I didn't give a fuck. And I was like kind of a hippie. Sometimes I would wear like a tank top without a bra. And it was like the biggest talk that day between like all the boys. Uh, yeah. But like, um, but as far as my body, like I would, you know, I was running 11 miles a day, 12 miles a day. And then like eating cookie dough for breakfast and like, or like strawberry ice cream for lunch. Like I just ate, a shit ton all the time and whatever I wanted. Cause also my mom was not home for half sure. of the time. So I was just like, you know, <laughs> it was totally like big, <laughs> like I'm Tom Hanks and I'm a grown up now. So what can I eat for breakfast that no one can tell me not to eat for breakfast? <laughs> yeah. Um, so in that sense, like I had no, like I didn't care about, um, like calories or anything like that. But as far as like being a woman, like I did, I, w- I was not feminine i was not um a girly girl i might have dressed the part a little bit towards the end but i mean i kind of feel like i didn't really become a woman until like college sort of do you know what i mean like when i knew honestly you know it wasn't until like i had my first orgasm which wasn't until college and i feel like that kind of cracked me up it's like oh "Oh, this is this is what it's like to like feel like a woman oh wow that's really interesting um that's really interesting did and 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 i you definitely modeled Right. So, or no, just not till I was 25. Okay. And it, and I only did it for about two years. Okay. No, it's funny that you ask. Cause like when I was a freshman, I really wanted a model. And I remember going to Ford for an open call and like, I wore this like 
awful like petite sophisticates kind of like secretary outfit thinking like this is what you wear to one of these things i was so like not not ready for this world but i was five foot seven at the time and um and they said they were they had, like a thumbtack in the door and they said sorry like you have to be five nine like don't come like in. getting onto a and ride so I, at a, yeah, an so amusement I, park turn, yeah exactly I'm big so i turned around and i walked out and then by my senior year um I was just kind of curious about it again. I had my cut my hair super short and I was like, I'm feeling like sophisticated. I've been to France, right? Like sure. I know things. So, uh, so I showed up and I was five, nine at that point. And, uh, and they sat me down and they said, Oh, you're 18. Oh, you're too old to start modeling. And then I moved out here and then like people were interested in like, Hey, like, Oh, you're 22. You're too old to start modeling. And then like, 25 for whatever reason i wasn't too old and suddenly i like i worked a ton in a two-year time period two-year time period i worked a ton as a model and um i'm very lucky for that experience it made me very much more comfortable in front of the camera i think i had the most awkward headshots until then because like i didn't like it you know being in front of something um but i think it made me a better actor modeling what i hated about modeling was that uh in order to have any kind of like common denominator and common conversation, I had to have watched American Idol or um, America's Next Top Model. And so like you talk about the world events and people don't know what you're talking, you know, people won't entertain that with you. And instead, like I had to dumb myself down in order to just like, like have a cordial day at work. (laughs) Um, And they do expect like all models are expected to be seen not heard and mm. when they're heard they, they they're expected to say the dumbest shit so like it was a very frustrating position for me who like was an academic scholar and you know uh so as soon as i could get out of it i did get out of it um plus like the way they pay you is really lame like they have there's no union and um and instead of like 10 percent, it's 20 percent mm. and they can take up to 90 days to pay you and sometimes you never see the money and then the agencies are really shisty and they will just take out random deductions like that they fedexed your book to new york or something when they didn't and um and that even though you pay for your own com cards like they'll charge you as if they did it for you so like again they expect models to be stupid and not check their Evidently. like pay stubs Evidently. You know what I mean? And so they get away to to this day, modeling agencies like still get away with this stuff. So fortunately, models in LA go, go be, go be represented by CESD because they are not like that and they will take care of you (laughs) Um, and they'll get you a lot of great work. Well, I think, I I mean, I guess I I don't want to, I don't want to, I didn't want to harp too much on this and I, and I certainly didn't want to, um, call immediate attention to it but but one of the reasons that i wanted to ask you how what your relationship was like with your with your body when you were a teenager is that you don't you know you and i've worked together and and you don't there's nothing about you that that has that sort of um i mean you don't seem in any way self-conscious about your body but you also don't seem flaunty flaunty and and yet you know then i you know as i'm kind of doing my minor research that i do before the podcast since i'm not really we don't really talk about career stuff as much um but i i I actually didn't know that you had been like featured in a playboy once and all that kind of stuff and i and i i really can't imagine so anyone weird. wanting to see me in a bathing suit or give me money to be in a bathing suit yeah. or to feature me in something like Playboy or Maxim or anything like that. Um, so I guess I was just wondering, I, I mean, I guess I'm just curious about it and I'm sure yeah, the no, listener is too. Now I get what you're asking. Yeah. Cause like it was never, I was never that girl that like, 
Like, my sister was more that girl. And she could pull it off. Like, she knew how to pose and shit. Like, I didn't know that. Like, when we were just kids joking around, like, she was more that girl than I was. Um, but uh, but I don't know. I, I just think it's really funny to me for the same reason. Like, oh, okay, sure, I'll pose for Maxim. Or, oh, okay, you want to do Playboy? Like, yeah, I guess I'll do that. Which, like... I understand that our vessels are very temporary and there's going to be one day that I'm going to be very grateful that I have those pictures. But, um, but at the time it just seemed like something novel to do since then I've come to regret it a little bit because, um, it's a stigma. Mm. And when you're somebody that's like, that doesn't really put a lot of value on those things like me, it's kind of a pain in the ass because, um, like I'll run into somebody from high school and they're like, Hey, I saw your, I saw your Maxim spread or I saw da, da, da. And I'm just like, gross like <laughs> change who I am like they're mm. just nice pictures it's flattering light they they touched it up obviously you know yeah. what I mean but like they treat me differently and I realized that posing for those sexy magazines gave every guy I slept with bragging rights to say I fucked a maximum hot 100 or like I hit that playboy model or whatever yeah. and and that became very clear to me like uh, when I ran into this like this guy that I had a crush on during the Paris program, I he he was engaged and he and he was in L.A. and he wanted to grab um, dinner and so we did and it was so much fun and we have such a connection and I missed him dearly and I was so happy for him that he's getting married and of course he makes a move to fucking kiss me and I'm like you're getting married <laughs> like what are you doing and he's like he's like yeah I can't tell you like how many how much high fives I got for saying that I I banged a, a maxim model or something or whatever oh, it was no. just like not that we and please know that I did not have sex at that program in Paris right. this was years later right, when we right. connected but like anyway um it just grossed me out because I realized like every single guy like that's what it boils down to well that's yeah and and it's actually interesting because I just um I don't I'm not sure I'm I never know because I have some a few episodes uh recorded when things are going to come out but for sure I have already aired uh something the episode that I did with Maggie Lawson in fact as we're recording this that's the most recent episode that's come out it's kind of fresh in my mind and she and I talk uh and and anybody who's listened to that podcast knows so I'll quickly recap that we talked about an experience that we had shooting something where we were wearing kind of Hooters type attire and both of us were saying or trying to say that we pass we really don't mean to pass judgment on someone who does choose to work there yeah. or who does choose to strip or who does choose to do any of those things that we personally were uncomfortable with a lot because of our own lack of self-confidence or our own issues with our bodies but we were kind of dancing around and not really knowing the answer to the fact that we just didn't feel empowered by it and, and that we kind of both wanted to feel empowered by using our sexuality yeah. in a powerful way. And that I've never really felt like I've done that. I've just never really felt like I've been able to do that. And so that was, I guess something that came up for me when I saw those pictures of you. I thought, Oh, Deanna and I feel, I feel like I have so much in common with her and we present ourselves to the world in such a similar way. And we both have, you know, often some kind of masculine energy that goes along with our sort of giddy, giggly, girly energy. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I'm interested to hear you say that it ended up being a little bit of a bummer in certain ways in terms of how it related to men. I just don't know. I think just like with like um, uh, type, not typecasting, but do you know what I mean? I think like uh, I I was on a series for a little bit and having those pictures and the series where they like definitely flaunted my body as much as possible on it. I realized that I was becoming a woman in the public eye that – I didn't agree with and I didn't think it was 
100% of a great role model because I, it just wasn't representative of who I really am. And I think that's why um, I've always been like, I've always been like into comedy. Like I've been obsessed with like Comedy Central and like, you know, like stand up. I've been watching stand up since I was like in preschool. I mean, I'm just obs- obsessed. So I think that like it, I got to a point where I was like, wait, 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 wait. I've just been on this train saying yeah. like accepting all the jobs that would accept me. And then Absolutely. I. Absolutely. And that's <laughs> what happens. And that's what I think. Uh, Christina and I talked a little bit about too that 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 you want to work and you're in a community in an industry where you're constantly being reminded or told that you it's hard to work and you should be grateful for your jobs and it's hard to be picky and a lot of the time it just seems like a joy and fun to be given a job and so you do it and then you realize that not only are you somebody else is sort of controlling what jobs you get, but then you start realizing that they're starting to control how you're seen by everyone and it gets more and more limiting. And so I know I I like would roll my eyes about reading about women who were like, you know, and then I just started turning down those kinds of roles because I was like, turning down a role. And then you see, you have to be really care. I mean, I guess you have to sort of make that decision for yourself and know that you're taking a risk and, and, or just, you know, or just be embraced for whatever it is that you, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the choices are necessarily, but it's just hard. <laughs> it is, it is hard. Yeah. And it's, and it's a luxury. Not all of us have being able to say no to projects, uh, again, industry stuff. But, um, mm. but I, I think back like, like, uh, I don't know this acting, this acting teacher I work with out here. She likes to talk about who we were in high school and say, if you were to go back to that, to that, you know, 16 year old version of yourself and tell her what your like daily complaints are with the industry today. Do you know that she would smack you because she would be like, you're so lucky that you tested four times for the same yeah. pilot and they still didn't want you. Oh, <laughs> it's no. like, you'd be so, you know what I mean? Even yeah. though like all you want to do is like run to Mexico and like start a new life. <laughs> it's just- yeah. And that's, and I worry about that sometimes with the podcast because I do feel like, you know, I'm talking to s- some extraordinary women who are also very blessed and I think are very, they acknowledge nobody has has not acknowledged the amazing gifts and the amazing experiences that they've had and knowing that that we're all very lucky and and so I definitely don't want it to seem like this is just a bunch of successful women that I've had on the pod and I am categorically excluding myself from that because everyone is more successful than me but um but that you know that i'm bringing people around to complain about what's hard about the business which we don't end up talking that much about but that um it's not meant to be about that it's meant to be about look even even the person in this situation still feels insecure and even the person that's on this show that you think is great experiences um pain and heartbreak over things that you experience pain and heartbreak over so and this might be a reach but i think you know uh maybe i'm just trying to justify all that like weird personal shit that i got out earlier but like i kind of feel that um it's it's um parallel our our growing pains in high school and our growing pains out here in the industry and maybe that's why like there i've listened to um i listened to the first three of your podcasts and it just seems like the um you know, we all kind of felt out of place and we found a community of people that were artistic and expressive. And, and since that's where we were comfortable and, um, and represented well, then like we stuck with that, you know, there's, there's like definitely a calling to that. And then you come out here where, okay, yeah, you still have that calling, but it's a business. So now you kind of have to still play that high school popularity game, which is, it, it, it's Hollywood. Hollywood's very high school. 
Exactly. I, I mean, it, that is exactly true. I like what you said, though. I like the idea that um, if you're if you feel out of place and then you're drawn to an environment, it doesn't necessarily even have to be theater, but just when you're younger, being drawn to something and feeling accepted there, and just how powerful that is at that age, and that it can really shape what you end up doing because you get drawn to something that makes you feel understood in some way. So that could be true for, for somebody who's, uh, yeah. I was going to say an accountant, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I just clearly don't know what I'm talking about unless I'm talking about jobs I've personally had. And I'm terrible with creative. math. Terrible with math. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Um, I'm going to give everybody who's not interested in this next thing I'm going to do a chance to stop listening because uh, we're at about an hour. But I, I made a decision um, before before Deanna came over that I wanted to play that game MASH with her, which actually isn't that fun for anyone. I've never done this on the podcast. It's not really that fun for anyone who's not watching it happen with a list, but I'm going to try to make it entertaining um, while I do it. Did you ever play MASH when you were Fuck a kid? Yes, I okay. played MASH. I just remembered it. I was I was getting out of the shower this morning, and I thought, oh my gosh, I, I think Deanna would really enjoy playing MASH. So uh, hopefully most of you guys remember this, but it's, you know, MASH stands for Mansion, Apartment, Shack, or House mm-hmm. is how we played it. And there's like a, a list of different things that you would would do, and then I'll like draw... I'm explaining this horribly. I'll draw a spiral and then you'll tell me when to stop and then I'll count somehow the rings of the spiral and then we'll just gradually eliminate until we know who you end up with and like where you live and what kind of house it is. Okay. So, um, give me and remind me if I forget some of the list things that you would get to pick off some of the options that you get, but I definitely will ask you three places that you would live. Okay. Uh, well I have to say, um, New York, New York, uh, let's say, uh, Italy. Okay. <laughs> Love it. I guess we have to say Los Angeles. Okay. LA. And give me three celebrity guys. <laughs> you would be married to. so true. Well, um, let's go with, um, oh, who do we think is cute? Oh God. I love Andrew Garfield. Oh, okay. He's on there. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of, um, oh fuck. I can't even remember his name and I love him so much. Uh, He's on General Hospital. Oh, but, I won't be. No, able to but like, that. no, no, no. But the the uh, the film actor who played James Dean. Oh, James Franco. Yes, okay. James Franco. I'm a fan of James Franco. Okay. So like skinny, pretty boys with brown hair. Yes. This is so good. I have to pick a third like weird one. Yeah. Um, who's my offshoot? My. Uh, what would your What would your third one be? Yeah. That's not like that. Yeah. But that is. Um. Let's just say who's still awesome, Louis C.K. Love it. <laughs> but he's a ginger. Uh, this is great. This, that's <laughs> perfect. I, love, I couldn't love that mix more. I don't know that those three will ever appear on a list together ever again. Uh, three different types of car that you would drive. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I would have a, I'll say Mustang uh-huh. for the KR fans. Uh-huh. I'll say um, a Lotus. Uh-huh. And I love a vintage Beetle convertible. Got it. Great choices. Um, Kay, uh, th- uh, let's see, three, what's another one that we would do? Three types of pets? Jo- yeah, or jobs or like. Oh, definitely that. Okay, but let's yeah. do three. Pets. Yeah. Um, uh, I want a Scotty. I want a Luca. And Ooh. I want a Pony. <laughs> A Luca and a pony. For those of you who haven't heard my pets mentioned on the podcast before, Scott is a dog. Luca is a cat. I do not have a pony. Um, And then three jobs. 
um, movie theater concession. <laughs> uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, pastry chef. Mm-hmm. Ow, your cat just bit me. And um, uh, what else would be a fun job? I think um, it's a Etsy business owner. <laughs> oh, I love these. I love these. I feel like there's something else, and I'm just blanking on what. I mean, there we. I mean, we could do these endlessly. Like, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like there were so many lists of things. But what kind of car you drive? Where you live? These are the important things about mansion, your future. Who you're married to? What your pets are like? What your- oh, how many kids you have? Oh, okay. Uh, we'll do zero. We'll do four. Okay. And then we'll do. Um, let's just say one. Okay. All right. I think this is good. And then I'm going to start doing the spiral, and you can't look at it. Okay. I don't know why. That, I don't know why that's a thing, but. Um, Stop. Oh, okay. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Yes! Deanna, yes! you live in the beautiful city of Los Angeles. Unfortunately, you live in a shack. But, but I bet I own that shack. You have a pony. <laughs> yes! And you enjoy riding your pony with Andrew Garfield. Yes. Interestingly, you also have a, you drive a Mustang. So we have two horses here. You have a pony uh, and you drive a Mustang. You have four children fuck. and you're a pastry chef. Yay. That is the most disparate. Like you're a pastry chef who drives a Mustang, owns a pony, lives in a shack with her four kids and her husband, Andrew Garfield in Los Angeles. I really like that future. Can we I make that true? <laughs> I'm going to see what I can do to make it true. Deanna, thank you so much for doing the Jen, podcast. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, see you guys again. I've got to stop saying see you guys again. This is an audio track. As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.